Okay, start. <laughs> hey, Gran, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We were saying the week flew by. That's the week. That's our mundane opening. Yeah, the week flew by. Have you been watching any of the Summer of Games things that Jeff Keighley's been doing? I did the first one, the one with the Unreal Engine, just because it's the Unreal Engine. So, like, I got to know what's up. Yeah, like, so there was actually a couple before that that were all video games. It was like they had the Tony Hawk reveal, and then I think Assassin's Creed came after that. But then the one with the Unreal demo... It was like, so for me watching it, it was like a really cool gameplay video where there was like a lot of rocks in it. Like you could constantly see lots of rocks falling. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of rocks. And they were talking about triangles and people in my Discord, we were all making little jokes about triangles. That was a good time. Then the character started flying and went for a stargate and it looked really cool. (laughs) And uh, then it was like, ah, that isn't, that isn't the game, but, but that's what the engine could look like. And I was like, ooh. Because I think that's the first time I've seen, because I've seen all these, because Xbox had something, we've talked about that before. Uh, None of that graphically, for some reason, made me go like, wow, this is, here we go, next gen. But that Unreal demo did. Like, I saw that and I was like, ooh, that looks better than what we have right now. Yeah, you know, until this moment, I never considered, like, what... That, that that would be a consumer-facing thing. Mm. To me, that felt like a... I mean, Epic is talking to game developers about their tech, and I would imagine that would... I mean, the last time Sony did that, it fucking pancaked, right? Like, the last <laughs> Sony conference where Sony was talking about tech, consumers are like, why are you... What is this? You know? It was, so it's interesting that you liked this one and not the other one. Well, this is the thing, right? When it got to the three dudes talking, like, I rapidly tapped out and i think a lot of people did because it was just like okay now we're going to talk about the engine and it was like i don't know what they're saying anymore do you think there's going to be any more Uh, game videos and it's like nah and i was like okay i'll turn this off now but oh dude that's when i tapped in yeah that that was your time like (laughs) well it's i i think this is uh sony getting developers excited about what the tech can potentially do and epic getting people excited about the future of their engine which is you know like they're that's a huge part of their what they are mm. the unreal engine um and it looks sweet i mean the this is a, what they're saying here getting rid of static lighting getting rid of baked lighting mm. having all lighting be dynamic that alone is huge the um a lot of the tech stuff they're talking about no longer needing lod's is massive it's a massive pipeline change to the industry if if it works if, well, i shouldn't say it. But like uh well this could be pretty big. I'm I'm pretty excited about what this will do for games. Not necessarily for like me and my workflow specifically, but for the industry, it's a very exciting thing. So that's a couple of questions that I had in relation to like the engine itself and like us discussing it is how does this, because there was some discussion in your Discord, like while this was happening as well, because I posted it in there i was like go oh, unreal engine 5 turns out that's what they're talking about right now and mm-hmm. yeah people were talking about like does this realistically mean anything right now for like an indie developer or is it something where you go oh maybe i should start making like do you, did you look at that and think i should start making a game in unreal 5 rather than 4 well, I mean, you can't yet. It's not out until next year. And in general, I wait until the first uh, patch. So I'll probably pick up 5.1, mm. maybe 
point two. It's never a bad idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, it, it's because I'm I'm not a programmer, right? Mm. Like, so if there's as much as I love being on the bleeding edge of stuff, the reality is I don't. I'm not a programmer. I don't have a programmer. If there's bugs in the engine early on, I can't do anything about it. Mm. So I have to wait until it's been a little bit. Until a couple of other people kicked in the tires a bit, um, which is like there's advantages and disadvantages to every indie and to every skill set and so forth. But this is my disadvantage. I, I love being an early adopter for certain things, but for the engine, because, you know, I, I just got to wait for people to kick in the tires. Mm. And I think a, a lot of the stuff they announced there is very exciting. Like in a past life when I was at Irrational, this would have been so exciting because yeah. we we would make a level and we would. You wouldn't see the level until the next day. Like a level builder would check it in and the lighting would bake overnight and then you would see it uh, the next day with the baked lighting and everything. What does that Just mean? Just because it takes so long. Um, so... Like creating the lighting? Well, when uh, somebody who's making the art for a, a very large game, mm. <clears throat> they'll put these kind of, these dynamic lights in. They'll, they'll light the game. They'll put a light source in. And... Um, they locally they can make that little area look really good on their machine, but they have to. <coughs> excuse me, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Are you familiar with the concept of like how Pixar has to render a thing a yes. screen overnight? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, I, yeah, yeah, the lighting has to get baked into the textures. That's this is a process where the uh, light maps are created. So um, I don't know exactly how it works, but like the a light is placed there and it's dynamic, and then a computer like the computer goes in and it takes a look at where the it, it casts rays for mm. from that light source depending on your settings and stuff and it says okay this is in shadow and this is how bright this is based on this and it renders it out to a texture and then that it and then uh it saves off that texture um and that's called baking the lighting huh and then when you go look in the game you rather than having to do this massive calculation that you can't do at runtime uh, you're actually just seeing the results of the baked light oh. on the environment. But but um, so with UE5, the engine can do that itself in real time. Plausibly, yeah. It's an <laughs> exciting. That, that's the idea. Uh, I, I, I've, I'll admit I don't understand a lot of this as much as I, I would hope, and you would think I'd prepare for this podcast. But like <laughs> fine. the one of the big one of the big. Uh, um, Announcements is yes, dynamic lighting will be big. Another huge thing is there's a, in order to make things look high quality, so say you make a mesh and it's got like a billion triangles. Mm -hmm. Lots <laughs> of triangles. On, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't render a billion triangles for every single mesh. So what you do is when something's at a distance, you, you knock down the LOD. You make another mesh that's only like half a billion triangles. Yeah. And you make another mesh that's like, a hundred thousand triangles. This is all bullshit numbers, by the way. Uh, I, but, yeah, I get and the you concept. Set it so yeah. That, yeah, so that the further something is away, the you see the smaller and smaller triangle object. And the claim is that we will no longer have to do that, which is a massive That's savings crazy. as far as workload goes. Um, so like... If, oh, yeah. sorry. I was just wrapping my head around that. This is what happens when I... like Because I, what I need is like... Maybe Jeff Keighley did this, but like I had so little concept of what they were saying that like I tapped out. But it'd be good if I could sit there and be like, no, but what does that specifically mean? <laughs> like, because that's really exciting, the idea. Like, I'm playing Fallout 76 at the moment, 
And if I, like, it loads in this whole world, but if I look at something at a far distance, it's like a PS1 game in the distance and a beautiful modern game right in front of me. And that's just how games are and how they've always been. That's not specific to Fallout 76. But the idea that I would look through those binoculars and see, like, a fully rendered thing, that's crazy. Possibly, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am excited to see it. I am very. We will get there. Um, mm. I don't think we'll get there. Like, uh, how do you put it? So the the first games on a console are never as good as the games that come out two or three years into the yeah, console dev cycle, as sure. far as visual fidelity goes, with the exception of maybe Naughty Dog. Um, yeah. Just because you need time to really get to know the tech right mm. um and i the same thing with i think an engine like the first this people are still getting to know what the engine can do people haven't mastered it yet so i think it i think it, this we will get there and i think we'll get there in a couple of years That's um crazy. obviously the engine will launch next year and then you'll probably need a year of people like really digging into it into what it can do and then mm. like maybe two or three years from now we'll start to see this stuff and it'll be really cool so this engine, like, oh, sorry, was there, were there any other, like, kind of key points that you took from that that were super interesting to you? Well, I mean, I think the key points is, like, as soon as I finish the game I'm working on, I want to try to sneak into the beta and see what it's... They're, <laughs> they're doing a bunch of stuff with the animation tech that I don't uh, I haven't dug into yet, and that they didn't really talk about it in detail yet, but it looks like there's some new animation tech going on in there, and that's always exciting. Um yeah, it just looks like a lot of things in general. Yeah. Another point that Tim Sweeney made that was um, that really did perk my ears up is the concept. We've talked before about what I think. Th there's different game engines that I think are a good idea, but I, I've also always thought that there's a spectrum between something like uh, Google Dreams or um, like a level editor and the Unreal Engine, and there mm. there needs to be there's something fun about making things and there needs to be kind of like halfway steps. And Tim Sweeney mentioned making an engine that is more approachable, something mm. maybe even easier than unity or, uh, some, some kind of half measure step that allows people to, creators to create things, um, in an engine that's a little bit leaner and more focused. Uh, uh they got, I like, don't know how much I was reading into that, but that would be cool if that's what's going on down. It would, because they were already kind of like, there's a there's a the idea of a seed in the little kind of for, uh, Fortnite creative thing they've got going on. You could build on that, and you could get to a point where people are slowly learning like a an easy engine, and then they can graduate them up to Unreal Four or Five, and that that could be super interesting. Perhaps anything that's creatives create things is a good idea yeah. I, I mean the only counter argument i can think of because i used to think this is a great idea um but i mean i'm biased because i like making things mm. right and the the strong counter argument is the the dreams was not successful no and but the, this is the thing though i mean it wasn't it isn't like super like everyone's not playing it but the people that are playing it are super loving it like i have a friend who has been delving into it and he's been telling me like how great it is and how much you can do and how crazy it is that it's so simple to achieve something so kind of cool and but you still have to go to a lot of effort and stuff like that so i don't know like yeah it might not be the huge game-changing idea but also 
if any again if any company can do it and not have to worry too much about the financials of it it could be epic mm-hmm. yeah i it's an interesting idea that they may or may not push on i don't know i, I mean epic is so big right now and they're pushing in so many directions just like they're pushing into film they're pushing into they're they're taking their engine and they're making it more modular and so forth like there's just a lot going on right now um with epic so it's hard to say uh which things they're doing so much some amount of it will stick and be amazing uh and it's just they're a fun company to watch you can get refunds on that store now as well so and i did what i did it the other night and it works (laughs) so i was like well here you go people i don't know if that's like uh I don't want to. I'm gonna make fun of it, but like that's that's usually not an achievement, man. Like that's most. No, places. it shouldn't be an achievement, but it was for them, and it, it it's it's a Ouch. well. It, it, I mean, it was like that was one of the that was a big reason that people were mad at that store and didn't want to use it, and why people to this day are still at Epic Store. One of the reasons was you can't even get a refund on it, which you can on Steam. So mm. you can do that now, which is kind of cool. Also, I wonder how many people that didn't was super mad about the epic store also didn't want to get grand theft Auto 5 completely for free (laughs) just crazy yeah oh my god oh my god that like to like grand theft auto 5 kind of blew my mind but i in a little way Mm. i was like wow that's a big franchise they must have spent a shit ton of money on that Mm. damn okay and then they announced civ and i know (laughs) i know i'm a civ fan girl and like i know uh I'm reading too much into this, but that is probably the strongest shot across the port bow at Steam I could possibly imagine. Like, Civ is a game... Because Grand Theft Auto V, yeah, people go back and they play it a lot. I guess that's true. It but really Civ is. is. A game, <laughs> it, I, I know, but Civ is a game where people go back and they buy all the expansions and they play it forever, right? Like, Civ is yeah. a game where you, you buy it and then you play it, and that's basically the mo- most of the game you play, and then they come out with an expansion, you buy that expansion, you buy that DLC, and you continue to do it. And it's such a fundamental part of Steam's portfolio. Like, if you look at the Steam top 20 sellers, every year Civ is on it. Mm. Civ is enough of their revenue that it is in their top 20 re- like games that make the most revenue every year. And to try to take that from Steam, and to take it quite aggressively by giving away the base game for free... Mm the subscription for half off and like a a bundle of all the current DLC. So if you're not caught up right now, it's probably cheaper to catch up on Epic store than, than steam. If they can actually get a chunk of that audience and like lock them in, they've, they've stolen a, one of steam's biggest cash cows. And I'll say like, I, the day after they did that, I got it. I'm not set up to get any emails from steam. Hmm. Uh, I get the wish lists. Like this game is on your yeah, I oh, get wish that. listed That's game it. is on sale. Yeah. Yeah, got a shit ton of those. But those are the only ones I get. It's the first time I got an email from Steam that's like, hey, Civ has an ex- you can buy this, a subscription for Civ's expansion on Steam right now. Uh they send me an ad. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty They've never in. sent me an they've like, never sent me an ad. Click this link. Don't look anywhere else. Just click this link. <laughs> you can go directly to the store and I get was it. like <laughs> Dude, I because that one made me go, oh shit! Cause, like they have literally never sent me an ad for anything other than a game I've wishlisted, mm. uh, and I don't know how that happened because I didn't like opt into anything. So I think even I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that one to me was like, 
again, I'm a massive Sim fan girl, but I saw that and I went, oh shit. Like that was a big one for me. That's a big shot across the port bow, in my opinion, as somebody who's obsessed with Sim. Well, yeah. I mean, to Grand Theft Auto V is the same thing to me. I think that game came out like six years ago or something. That came out on the Xbox 360 and the PS3. But that is still consistently one of the top played games just year on year with the online stuff that they've got. So the fact that yeah, like, I guess anyone didn't, didn't have it didn't was always crazy to me. Yeah, I, the reason it didn't impress me is because it's a console game at its core, in my mm. opinion. Mm. Right? Like, in my opinion, that's a console game. So I didn't think... And at the end of the day, like, the Epic Games Store is a PC storefront. Maybe someday they'll make a partnership with Microsoft or some shit. But, like, right now they're a PC storefront. So taking the biggest console game and owning that, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. That's it's bold, you know, and it fits. You know, like, maybe a lot of Fortnite players play cross-platform. They play in all kinds mm. of devices. You know, I'm sure Tim Sweeney's going to push to have that store on all devices at some point. I mean, he's pushing really hard to have Fortnite on all devices. Um, but like, so to me that fit, but that wasn't aggressively, like that wasn't a gun pointed right at Steam in the way Civ was, in mm. my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, it's in, they're, they're making, yeah, they've always been making big moves. And it's interesting to see. One thing I was wondering, and just because you might know, but you might not know, because the mm -hmm. the UE five was shown off on the PlayStation five. It was the first time we'd seen gameplay technically for the PS five, and it kept like I'm sure they said something like optimized to PlayStation five or something, which mm -hmm. then had people saying so this will be on the Xbox though. Like this will be like, presumably the Unreal Engine 5 will work on the Xbox because that, oh. that would be insane if it didn't. But it was just, there was no mention yeah. of the Xbox. And I, I don't know if that's just because that was the deal Sony and Epic did on that day. But like, it was interesting well, it almost, to see an engine It like almost that. certainly is. Like most, most deals I, I work with have that kind of thing. Like even, you'll sign a deal and even if you're not exclusive, the, the deal is like, You'll sign a deal that's something like, hey, we will feature your trailer in this event, but it must have the Xbox inside Xbox logo at the beginning, and you cannot talk about it being on uh, the the PS whatever at this event. Mm. Uh, that, like, that's a super normal thing. I'm sure they just, I'm sure there was some sort of partnership between Sony and Epic for this, and in the agreement they agreed that they would show the engine only, only on the like the PS5 and in return Sony promised to probably do some kind of global global ad spend or to promote the videos that Epic is doing. And it ends up being good for both of them like yeah. because now Sony's marketing is working for Epic and Epic's marketing is working for Sony but yeah that that deal and yeah there's just no way. Yeah, that would be the crazy. PS5 right? isn't running on Yeah, yeah, of course it is. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't know a ton about this, but I noticed people in your Discord were talking about this, is the new rev share thing Epic are doing. Oh yeah, yeah, that What's was that? so. As far in my world, that's the biggest thing. Retroactively, yeah. you don't you don't pay for the Unreal Engine until you make at least a million dollars in gross revenue, which is huge. I mean, because I saw people for saying smaller games. Yeah, like people in your Discord, there's a lot of small like indie developers that make smaller games in that discord and I, i'm sure i saw someone mentioned like there's chances that some games are like they'll just never give epic any money like it's it's like will you make a million dollars probably not like but now i don't lose any of the money i make yeah 
Uh, I mean, it's hugely, it's huge for indies. Like, it's great for me specifically. Mm. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it literally, I'm in the middle of making a, like, I'm in production on my next game, and I had a spreadsheet of how much money I would need from, like, a publisher if I decided to get a publisher, and uh, looking at my expenses, and generally feeling sad about the state of shit. But, mm. like, one of the lines on there is just, no matter what, I need an extra 5% for the engine, which is reasonable, 5% for, like, not needing a, to hire a programmer is massive. It's not bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the ability to make this game at all. Like, the, to me, that's fine. But, like, I just, like... I just got 5% of my budget back. Like that's huge yeah. for me specifically. Um, and honestly, if I make more than a million dollars on this game, then like that's, that's rich people problems to have to start paying 5%, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it is, it's beautiful. It, it's really, really good for smaller indies. And I think like it's <clears throat> smaller indies. There's not, there, there's not a lot of money. Uh, in the smaller price points for being in a smaller indie. I think we've talked about that before. Mm. Like, you got some breakout hits, you got some AAA indies, um, and those people were already making deals with, with Epic anyway. Like, uh, you can already just pay a flat fee to have, to not pay royalties for the most part. Um, mm. If you're, like, making a big enough game. Yeah. But you have to be making a game in a couple million at that point. So, like... Yeah, the, the, that was that was the biggest takeaway for me, especially because it's immediate and it accounts this year for the PS4 game. So like, I have to go look at what's going on with Kine, but like, I'm I'm def well obviously I'm paying less money to Epic for Kine uh, when I launch that on other storefronts and so forth. Mm -hmm. Like last year, I was paying five percent of all Switch sales and Xbox sales and PS4 sales to Epic, and this year I just don't have to do that. Yeah, that's pretty great. What what was the number? What was the financial number before this? Because it was like considerably lower, wasn't it? Well, before, um, yeah. So you pay five percent after the first three thousand each quarter. And that's like up to a million now. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's such a difference. Yeah, I I mean it's it's huge. Uh, they this is cool. I don't know where all this is going. Um, mm. Some of it, it always, change is always scary. The industry changes so fast and it's, it is scary. Like there's just a part of it that just is. Like it's scary always trying to keep up when tech changes. I feel like every five years, everything I know is thrown out the window and I have to start over again. That's mm. just part of being in tech. Like now I've got to learn a new engine. Don't get me wrong. I love learning the Unreal Engine 4. Like Blueprint was massive. It was incredible. All these new features are incredible. I'm already... Um, a lot of the new UE5 stuff is in UE4 right now, so I'm playing around with Niagara, the new effects system and stuff. Mm. But it's just you, the constant churn of keeping up and learning and knowing every tool you learn, everything you do will be like obsolete in a couple of years. Yeah. It's just part of tech, yeah. you know? And the that like that's part of it. The, the change in the industry in how you make games and also how you sell them is just changes every couple of years. Is subscription services the future? What is what's going to happen to the value of games when there's when games like Civ and Grand Theft Auto are free? Mm. Like, how much are we pushing down the price point of games right now? Um, I mean, there is an argument that it is better to so a lawyer will work for you pro bono for free or at their full rate. They won't give you a discount yeah. because that devalues the the 
price of a lawyer, whereas like pro bono is one thing, right? Yeah. Um, so in a way, there's an argument usually that putting making something available for free is does not suppress the price point of things. Um, but we're not seeing that necessarily in the games industry because free also means in the games industry there's free with microtransactions and things like that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a lot to think about. It was just like a big day, really. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, people were super excited. And I got to watch a cool trailer. So, you know. That it was, was a cool trailer. It was. I was kind of sad it wasn't a game. Like, it got to, once it got, once she started moving really quick and it looked like I could go to lots of places. And then she went for a Stargate. I was like, oh, this looks yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, that was I'm... going to be playable at GDC, I read. Like, you would have been able to play that little, de- like, walk around in it and stuff. Yeah, that must have been heartbreaking to have GDC be canceled for Epic. They do so much at GDC every year. Mm. And they, they crunch so hard to get everything ready for GDC. And GDC is their big thing. And it's like this beautiful thing for Epic. It's a shame that got canceled for them specifically. I think a lot of companies that rely on on these events are, are probably uh, feeling it. Like there's certain game companies, Brace Yourself Games comes to mind, that like their whole shtick is that they go to all the events and so forth. I know, like the uh, indie mega booth just shut down. Um, that whole, that that's like, that was hard. That's like a whole big. How do you put it? It's it's a part of the indie community. It's a part of being indie. Is the indie mega booth and all that they've done over the years to to get games into these different shows. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like it, that side of things kind of sucks. Oh, completely. Well, I love going to events. Like as you are aware. It's one of my <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's one of my uh, favorite things. I just enjoy being at them and the and the enthusiasm of all the people that are working there and that are there and stuff is great. Yeah, I miss like I was thinking I'm working on this game right now and I wish I could have like an event right now so I could just go watch a bunch of strangers yeah. that aren't used to playing video games test it. Like you just need a certain amount of that to test your on ramp. And I can't do that right now. Yeah. It's really difficult to test a game right now. In general, I think um, I, I'm interested to see how the coronavirus impacts different uh, timelines, different dev cycles, depending on where you are in the dev cycle, where you like, um, it's interesting to see where the things end up. Like you can't, for the next console generation, uh, because these consoles are hard to come by, uh mm-hmm like the dev kits and the test kits are hard to come by uh, and you generally don't let them out in the wild. You can't take like a PS5 dev kit home. You can't take a PS5 test kit home. Testers are often people you hire um, for better or worse when you're getting to these large AAA games. You often hire like a small army of testers at the last minute, give them a, put them in a space uh, with a test kit and have them just bang on the game. And you can't do that right now because you can't just hire somebody off the street and then send them home with this expensive, rare piece of technology that you, you know, that that you've signed. I mean, if you've signed up to make a PS5 game, you've signed some pretty heavy legal legal shit with Sony to make sure yeah. that these these test kits, there's no photos of them out in the wild and stuff, and and you don't want to get sued to death. So you can't really test your game right now because mm. you can't bring an army of testers into a room and with dev kits, and you can't send the test kits home. So we're coming up on the end of some dev cycles here at a time when you can't really test those games as effectively, and that's interesting. That's one way that the industry is getting impacted. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine, like, if I was guessing, I would have to imagine they've just had to send these things out to people. 
and just have them sign you more just, stuff and be like, well, please maybe don't. Dev kits, dude, maybe dev kits, but test kits, hell no. Like, there's just no way. It's not like you, it's not like there's a lot of qualified embedded testers that you can trust for this stuff. I'm not kidding when I say mm. most these large AAA games, they're tested by a hundred random people who have been picked up a month ago. Uh, and you can't just trust that many people. For one thing, you don't even have that many test kits. Yeah, you have to cycle true. people in and out of the room. And th there's just, this is just a very, that's just not how it's done in AAA. I guess that's the way to put it. Hmm. It will be interesting to see how that's adapted to, I guess, or whether, I don't know. We'll just have to see how things mm -hmm. go. I am glad that events do kind of get to live on, though, on, in the online space. Like, to, for a consumer side of things, like, there's Jeff Keighley doing the Summer of Games thing, which is cool, because it's, like, a thing every week <laughs> at the moment, which is kind of nice. Like, you just had Valorant on there the other day announcing its launch date which is like a week away or something just kind of crazy it's nuts um well should we wrap things up gwen yeah it's been great talking to you you too gwen this has been gwen frey and chris slight and you've been in the dialogue box <laughs>